Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Medicare Agent Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jacobson. Today, we're talking with Michelle Trimble in Seattle, Washington, about how she built her Medicare agency. She shares her initial business plan, the different phases of her business, and why having a great software system led to faster growth. Here's a clip from today's conversation. Do I know what plan they're actually on? And did I remember to update that last year? And how am I going to find out? And going back and forth between, you know, go to the carrier's website, go back to my spreadsheet, go to their paper file, which go to my e-file, you know, instead of having everything in one place, which I do now, I had was looking in four to five different places for information. That's just a tiny taste from today's fantastic show. The Medicare Agent Podcast is sponsored by Fairstreet. Fairstreet is a CRM for Medicare agents that helps them manage all of their clients in one place. You can collect prescriptions, quote and enroll, create custom intake forms, do call recording, and so much more. Go to thefairstreet.com to learn more. All right, let's get started with today's show. Hi, Michelle, and welcome to the podcast. Um, really excited to be speaking with you today. You are just an expert in Medicare. You care so much about your clients and I'm excited to ask you about your journey and how you got here today. So welcome. Thank you. I am glad to be here. Us too. So to start off with, would love to hear your story. You've been an independent Medicare agent and agency owner for for years now, but how did you get here? If you could retrace your steps and tell us a little bit more about your story. Sure. I've actually been in the industry for 30 plus years. Um, The first 26, I worked on the carrier side for a bit, and then I worked on the broker side. And I worked with small groups and individuals. And about 15 years ago, I started getting a lot of questions about Medicare, and nobody was an expert. So I decided, okay, well, I'm going to become an expert. And I started helping everybody and learning so very much. And then about six years ago, the company I was working with got sold to a national uh, company and they were going to get rid of the Medicare. And it was the thing that I really enjoyed in my job was the Medicare. So I decided that's it. I am going to um, look at some options. So I started doing research and I actually went to the Small Business Administration. I went to the library. I started doing research. I wrote a business plan and um, decided, yes, this this makes a lot of sense. I'm going to go out on my own. I'm going to become an independent agent. I'm going to start my own agency. And I did. And it's Amazing. been going on six years now. Six years. That's incredible. Yeah. Um, tell me more about this process of actually building the business plan, because I think that's something a little unusual. A lot of people stumble into it. Yours, Your decision was quite intentional. So tell us what was going into that business plan and into your decision to actually strike out on your own. Well, the business plan, because I had worked with, when I was working on the agency side and the broker side, I worked with small businesses and I worked with a lot of startups. And so I had gotten a lot of information about what works and what doesn't work. And so with a business plan, I actually went in and say, who is going to be my clients? Who are they going to be? Where are they? Who is, who can refer to me? Who can I reach out to? How many people are actually in this, this spot that I want to work in? Who would be my competition? How could I be different? And those are all things that I I answered and I put into this business plan. How many people When did I think I could grow? Did I know how much money I was going to make? All of those things actually went into that business plan to make me realize that, yes, this this really could work doing just Medicare only. 
Wow. And do you remember some of the numbers behind that? Just to give people a sense of, you know, how many people turning 65 were in your local area and who were the potential referral partners you were considering? The referral partners were definitely the insurance brokerage community and even the carrier community I was coming from because I'd been there for so many years. I had so many contacts. So that was one. Two were financial planners. And so that would be my own personal financial planners and then some from friends and family that would would recommend. And I'd actually had a few even when I was on the broker side, I had a few few financial planners that were working with me on the Medicare side because they didn't have anybody to go to. So I was able to turn to them as well because I didn't have any kind of non-competes. I did find the numbers. No, honestly, I, I would actually have to look back. But the numbers were, were staggering, the number of people that were turning 65 and the people that were retiring just in this area alone. So, I mean, there was literally thousands. And so it was obviously something that that could be done. And I did find that, you know, there was a lot of the 1-800 Medicare numbers. But so many people, that doesn't work for everybody. They need somebody that they can actually talk to, that they can come back to, that's not going to just sell them a plan and leave. That's not really what they were looking for. They were looking for an ongoing relationship. So I wanted to take what I had been doing and then craft that just for Medicare only. Right. And I guess that that feeds into your piece around the competition. If 1-800 numbers are your competition, really making clear to your clients the level of professionality that you bring to this and your your personal follow-up yeah Yeah, absolutely follow-up to know that I will be there and that's this question I'm always asked will you be there and it's like yes I will be there right right tell us more about the small business association I think this is an underutilized resource that a lot of people have access to so how did you know to even go there and how did you is it a a literal physical office that you walked into oh it was it was actually a so they not only they had it every area has a location for it and so i went to the local Seattle. i'm in seattle so i went to that one and they actually had an office and they had actually classes that you could go to and they were free um i think there's some that you can even pay for they i was an assigned an advisor to sit down and talk to and go through my business plan with and my ideas um and i had classes on um how to set up a business how to do your accounting what are the lawyer or the law aspects what are you know so those kind of things that they would actually set up for you and yeah i think i just I had probably heard about it from other um, small businesses that I had worked with. Um, And so then I decided to look into it myself. And Mm -hmm. I I was just amazed. And I didn't need a loan, but you could even get loans to help you with your business should you need it to set up. So I I was just amazed at how much was available and how much help there still is. And so I still Mm -hmm. I would still refer people there. That's amazing. What was the most valuable thing that you learned from the SBA? I think the biggest thing I learned was to have a plan and to rewrite that plan every single year and to revisit that plan every year and make sure to adjust your goals if you needed to. And the fact that, you know, you could be professional, whether you were going to be a sole proprietor or hope to have employees in the future. Mm -hmm. So I think that's one of the things that I really got out of that. Right. Make a plan. So you decide to launch the business and you have your business plan for year one. Do you remember what your goals were for that first year in terms of number of people you hope to enroll or milestones you (laughs) wanted to hit? Yeah, I think I, 
I did want to enroll like a hundred people a year and I did have to scale back on that um, after my first year to realize that um, maybe I wanted quality people. I didn't want to just go to advertise silly nilly and just I wanted quality and not. So I realized that quantity was going to have to take a little bit. And I think the setup took more than I thought. And I mean the setup. I mean, you have to have a business license. You have to be by every, not only the city that you're in, but the state that you're in and the federal government and make sure you have all your ducks in a row. And I think a lot of that took a little more time than I thought. I had to create all new materials. I had to do all the licensing with all the carriers and I had to get all of that set up. And I don't think I realized how much time that was going to take at first. And so that first year was a little bit slower than I thought it was going to be, but that was okay. I still stuck with it. And I think that was kind of the key was sticking with it. Right. Right. How long did it take from knowing you wanted to start the business until you wrote your first policy, like just trying to give people a sense of how long it can realistically take to go through all the steps that you just mentioned. Oh, it took like three months, I think, for my first to be written. But after that, it, you know, it it was a little bit better. But yeah, I still, I still hold on to that first client. I know exactly who they were. It's a couple. And they'd actually come to me. A few people had reached out to me from when I left um, the brokerage that I was with, and they reached out to me privately. they were able to find me because I set up one of the first things I did is I made sure I set up a website um, so that if people tried to find me, they could. And so they actually did. And I was able to um, I was able to write that first business. Wow. So your first couple found you from your website. Yeah. They were Googling yeah, medical from the agents. website because they looked for me because they had found out, you know, so that was it. And I think that first year was definitely the longest year, the one that took me the longest time to actually get the clients. But after that, it it exponentially grows. And so that first 50, you know, they're referring you to the next 100, the next 200, the next 300, you know, and and you have more and more and more people referring you. And so that it it does kind (laughs) of it does get kind of interesting. It snowballs exactly it the problem in a good the way. way. Good exactly way. from you know how do I get my first fifty clients yeah. to now how do I manage hundreds of clients? Yes, exactly, and make sure that you do it in the same way that you managed them in the beginning, because you right. still want to give that level of service. Can you describe the different phases of growth? I know in the very earliest days you were leaning a lot on those referral partners, and then now you grow almost exclusively by referrals from your existing clients. So can you walk us through the different phases of the business and how growth looked different at each phase? So when I first started out and I was reaching out to financial advisors and other brokers, you know, that would be just like if you don't have and I would I was looking for brokers that didn't have anybody that they were working with for Medicare. They didn't have it at all. And so those are the ones I kind of reached on. And then every single time that I had a new client and they'd ask me, how can I how do you get paid? How can I pay you? What can I do for you? I pretty much let them know that we, we can't charge any kind of fees, but that referrals were the way that you could really help me. And so 
that is pretty much how it started out with, you know, like I said, with the financial advisors and brokers, which I still get some business from. But really, it is the current clients and letting them know, yes, I do want to work with your friends and family. And yes, referrals is how you can really help me. And so that is kind of the key is you helping can help me and, and help me grow and help me stay in business. <laughs> so, and so I think that was the stage and it's just been one thing after another and just reminding them as I go. And now not only do I ask them at the time of sale, but then, you know, quarterly newsletters, it's always a reminder. So anytime I really have a touch with them now, then I can I can mention that AEP again, that goes out friends and family. Let me know I can help you. So it's not only at the time of sale, but it's also throughout the year reminding them that the referrals because I get a lot of business, not just during AEP, which is obviously a big business time. But I get a lot of business from people aging in or retiring and that is such a key place to get people because then you have them for a longer period of time and you've walked them through this process that is so overwhelming at first. And so they're especially grateful. And so that is where, so during the year is when you really get a lot of people that you didn't mm -hmm. think you would. You think it's all AEP, but it's not. It's those people aging in and retiring. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And those are the people that even if they needed to change in the future, will be loyal to you as their yes. agent who initially helped them and educated them. Yes. And so you keep that touch. Those touch points are, are really important. Right. Can you give us a sense of now, six years into the business, how many clients do you add from referral each year or maybe in this year, 2022? Oh, this year I've w added through pretty much referrals only more than 60 you know, more than 60 clients. And that's just during the year. And it's, it's actually, and I probably should come back and monitor my numbers better, but that's something we're working on um, because I'm not as good as I should be because, you know, some months it'll be five and some months it'll be 10. And so it's probably even more than I think, but that's how it's been growing. Right. Tell us also, I know you've been you know, you do such a good job um, educating your clients, being a total expert on Medicare and being very, very professional. What are some of the things you do to serve those those needs in a really professional way? So having the website is incredibly important, even, you know, if you don't have to change it every so often. That is that's incredibly important to have that website. And now really the thing that's just a key is to have a good CRM. And to have that managed correctly, um, to do those things in a perfect, you know, to have the professional emails, to reach out to people, to have all of the, what I want to call it, all of my materials, you know, are professional. And you're using all of the things that you can to, to know that you are actually um, in this business, not just as a, not just to, to, to make a sale. So actually knowing your carriers, having as many of the um, contracts as you can. I do reading every single day. I am, you know, I belong to the uh, Society of Aging. I um, do a lot of reading in the industry so that I keep up and I know what's going on. You know, I read through Medicare. So it's really just that ongoing education for myself that's important. Right. What are the most helpful 
sources of information as a Medicare agent. You mentioned the Society on Aging. Are there other newsletters or websites that you recommend people go to to educate themselves? Um, I actually do some of the industry, um, you know, through NAHU, National Association of Health Underwriters. Um, that's always been a really big one for me. And then there's um, some just some publications that I will use, Medicare Interactive, the Medicare website, honestly, the Medicare website and their publications. There's a, actually a, and I discovered this years ago, was they actually have publications and they're so helpful. And even Social Security, I will go to and read. In the internet, if any question ever comes up, I go and I research it. So if there's something I don't know or if somebody heard something and I thought, I haven't heard that, I will absolutely go and research it. Right. It's knowing where to go and then just doing the work to research it. Yes. Yeah. You also mentioned that you've created a lot of materials. Um, would love to understand what those are, whether they're email templates or presentations that you've created? What are some of the materials that you have created? I have created presentations that are really Medicare 101 because, again, people aging in or retiring don't understand it at all. And so I absolutely have created, you know, a Medicare 101, basically a welcome to Medicare, Medicare 101. And that will actually go through the whole, this is what Medicare is, the A's, the B's, the C's, the D's, the F's and G's, like, all of it. And we talk about, you know, going through, you know, I've created the piece to understand prescription drug coverage and the, and the three different stages. And, oh, this one really, really is important. And I wish more financial advisors did this, but letting people know what they're going to pay for their social security based on their income. Because I'm telling you, that is a shock for a lot of people that come in, especially if they have any kind of income whatsoever. And to get hit with that is very hard. Um, so that's definitely a piece of it. Understanding the medic- difference between the Medicare supplements and Medicare advantages. So, yes, creating all of that and having that presentation that kind of has condensed everything has been really helpful. And people say, thank you so much for, and then walking it through with them. You know, it's like, here, read it first, then we're going to walk through it. And that, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of, and I give them a timeline from the very beginning. So I've created that piece. Yes. Email templates on how to enroll, how to do this, how to do that. So yeah, creating all of that, it has been um, very helpful. And I imagine it saves you a lot of time because it's sending the same kind of timeline and same set of materials out every single time. But if you have a template that you can then iterate on, saves a ton of time. Saves a time. And plus then just going through it with them. So to help them understand it. So that's been really good. Right. (laughs) This is a bit of a tangent, but you did mention that you wish more people were aware that Social Security, you know, does differ based on income. Can you actually explain that rule? Because I think a lot of people don't understand it. Well, it is. It's so, so, you know, it's based on your modified it. So your part B um, and your part B D can be affected, the prescription drug coverage, based on your modified adjusted gross income, and they'll use the last tax filing. So if it is above a certain amount, whether you, you file by yourself or, you know, it can be anywhere from, let's see, this year it's 164 up to like $500 a month. And that's per person. And so a lot of people retiring are coming in at the end of their careers where they are having the most money or they sold a house last year. They didn't even think about how that is going to affect their Social Security, because if they'd done it a few years ago, it wouldn't have shown. But it does absolutely affect what you are going to pay for Part B. 
if you're taking any kind of, you know, um, anything out of your your retirement fund, that's going to show. So it can really add up. And so, you know, you're thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm, you know, paying Part B, but then you've got this Part D as well that can be just incredibly expensive. So it is, it is something that they have shocker. to think about and you don't know, and it's based on your last tax filing. And it can change every year, so it will go down. But just being aware that, you know, they're thinking, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. That's what I right. get a lot. And I think a lot of people assume as a Medicare agent, you're primarily just discussing the plans. But it sounds like a fair amount of your time with clients is actually spent helping someone you know, enroll in parts A and B yes. and then explaining to them how it actually works. Yes. Well, again, because I'm, I'm focusing so much on the new to Medicare in, and the new to Medicare and the people that are newly eligible. The problem is, is that what I found, too, there's a number of carriers now. So it's best to get people when they're first coming on, because a lot of carriers, if you can't, if you think they should stay with the same carrier, they're not going to allow you to be their representative agent, or they're going to limit the number of months that you can actually submit the agent of record change. There's a number of carriers now that just simply won't let you change. They won't. Mm -hmm. They won't let me as a client or a uh, you know as an enrollee change to another agent. So it works out best to kind of get them from the beginning, anyways. Right, absolutely. I want to come back to this topic of growth and referrals, mm-hmm. and it has seemed like 2022 has been a really good year for you and your growth. And you talked a lot about how that's primarily been from referrals, and you do a lot to affect that, but. Can you point to anything else that might be different about 2022 compared to prior years and why you're getting so many yes, more referrals? If I can say this, but I, the big game changer this year for me has been Fair Street. I'm not going to lie. It has been an absolute game changer for me because I was literally using a an Excel spreadsheet to manage everything. And that just got so cumbersome. I couldn't be responsive. I was information was getting mismanaged and mixed up and I wasn't able to reach out to everybody on a mass basis. I wasn't able to ask for things. I wasn't able to be as responsive. And by having this in place, I can't even believe how different this AEP or this year has been for me because of the fact you, I've worked in the industry and a lot of people have for so many years and having a very good database that is responsive, that gives you the things you need, that doesn't make you make things up to make it work, is just a huge difference. So that has honestly been, and it's giving me new life too. It's making me not feel so, it's like, oh my God, I can't take anybody else on kind of thing. So it has made just a big, huge difference. And so that has been the difference for me this year. And it's, I'm not, it is the truth. <laughs> so. that, that is amazing to hear. And it sounds like it's also allowed you to focus on the parts of the business that are, frankly, just more enjoyable, talking to clients, focusing yes. on the education and not spending time reconciling your spreadsheet and making sure that the data is correct, it's correct and, and in the right spot. And do I know what plan they're actually on? And did I remember to update that last year? And how am I going to find out? And going back and forth between, you know, go to the carrier's website, go back to my spreadsheet, go to their paper file, 
which go to my e-file, you know, instead of having everything in one place, which I do now. I had was looking in four to five different places for information. So that is just in having piles of paper. I have no piles of paper this year. None. Wow. So that is just shocking. That is a big change, I'm sure. It, It has been a big change. And so... And I think, again, making me be able to respond to these people quickly. So I don't, you know, honestly, in the last few years, it could be, you know, they send me information. They send me their drug list. They email me their drug list. Well, it's not complete. I have to hand enter it in. Then I have to go and look up all their doctors. And then I have to go back to them and see, you know, is this correct or not? Then I have to do the, you know, so that is time consuming. That is incredible incredibly time consuming and I I haven't had to do that this year there's a few people I've had to help out with because they're not computer literate but oh my gosh compared to all of them that's a huge difference right and so what is your new process now with Fair Street as far as collecting prescriptions and running a quote how is it different from last year so this year I say so you're interested in in looking at plans great I'm going to send you a link where you're going to let me know your medications and your doctors and you'd let me know a couple of pharmacies you're interested in um, and then I will run a proposal so then they enter it for me it is already right there I will be able to save it they'll just have to update it next year oh my gosh anyways so then <laughs> I'm able just to say you know again I've been using connection anyways but I've had to go and take that enter it in a connector you know and then do the So this way, I just hit a button and I start my quote and I can look at not only the carriers I'm contracted with, but all of them to make sure, again, I make sure I've had to sell plans that sometimes, especially the prescription plans, I may not be um, licensed for just because they're not doing that. But if that's best for them, you can still do that. But point is, is that I can send them that within a day instead of having to wait weeks. And boy, are they happy, which again, it's like, I think that's also led to them, you know, they're talking to their friends, right? And so their friends are talking about having problems. So then they say, oh, well, I got this right away or my agent. And so then all of a sudden I'm getting a lot more referrals. Hmm, That's so interesting. So it's almost the having a better process allows you to work faster and be more responsive, which in turn creates a better client experience. Exactly. I talked to a woman this morning and she said, oh, well, I got your name from so-and-so and I answered the phone right away because I was sitting here and I was working and I, and she said I wanted to, you know, maybe set up a time and I said, well, I can talk to you right now. And she said, you know, that's, I kind of heard that about you and it's like, wow, okay, you know, that this person, that's what she'd already heard. And wow. that was just this morning. I'm getting a referral pretty much daily right now, at least one, sometimes more. That's amazing. And having this reputation as someone not only professional and knowledgeable, but responsive and fast and has, you know, having good tools for your clients to interact with, to give you that information that you need. And having those tools has made all the difference and what a time saver. I honestly can't believe it. Amazing. So now I imagine you're looking at 2023. Well, I, I know we're still in the middle of AEP, so maybe this oh, is no, a little. I have already got you and believe how many how many prospects I already have just from AEP for next year. I have had I can't tell you how many people. It's like, well, I'm retiring next year. What should we do? I've already got. I mean, I think I have fifty some 
prospects right now that are in wow. my prospect list. And a lot of those are for upcoming in the next year. So, yes, I'm already looking ahead to 2023. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, as you think about 20, I mean, 2022, it sounds like was a great year for you. And yeah. what does what are your hopes for 2023, both in terms of where you hope the business to be, some of the changes you might want to make? What's next for you, given, you know, things are already going well. So how, how do you think about building on that? Well, I still want to continue with the with the quarterly newsletters and, you know, expanding on that just to make sure I'm going to start doing more even touch points during the year, like the birthday and, and different things that I can now do on an easy basis. Because before I had no way to really track when people's birthdays were so I could reach out. Well, now I do. Thanks to Fair Street. Um, I am planning to I already know that based on the referrals and everything else that that. I'm going to have, I suspect, I'd like to double the number of clients that I got this year. So new clients from this year till next year. So like, I'd like to get 100 plus this year, you know, I really would. So it's worth a try. And I've always wanted to, my goal was to get to 500 to see how I felt. And I suspect within the next year or so that I'll be there. And then I can see what and then I really am going to have to resit down and decide because that was really always my goal. I want to get to 500 clients and see what that's like. Because I figured after I did all the numbers at one point, that, that was going to be a nice little, you know, based on everything else, that would be a nice place to be. Well, now I, if I get there, I'm going to have to relook at my business plan. And that's what's going to have to happen. And so right. it's taking me about a year longer than I thought it would, but that's not so bad. I'm pretty happy. We'll have to re-interview you in a year and see what yeah, it's like exactly. to <laughs> figure out what's next. But it sounds yeah. like staying focused on that goal. And and now you have this amazing flywheel of clients who are referring each other and just growing naturally yeah. and organically from, it sounds like there was, you know, a slower start and then things just really started to snowball from there. And I certainly heard that story. So it's how do you, do you have any advice for how to persist in those first few years when it's going more slowly than maybe what you had hoped for? No, there's no way to predict it. I just will always say, and, and I, I remember this again, working with so many startups, if you can get through the first five years, then you are going to survive as a business. You know, and I think it's just, it's, you, you have to stay with it. Even if you have to do something else for extra income, you just have to stay with it. Because as long as you are being professional and doing those things to make yourself professional, you are going to get the clients. Right. That's fantastic. I think just don't give up is the is the motto yeah, here. Don't give up because, you know, it's a definitely lucrative business. I think, you know, I worked with groups for so long and I got so tired of it. I got so tired of because the fact that so many employers just didn't care you know, they were just in it for the bottom line and they weren't very appreciative. Not that I blame them. 20% rate increase every year was kind of hard to take. But I find the clients that working with in Medicare so appreciative of everything that you do. Um, and they're so appreciative to work with you. And they're, they're just happier <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> they're happier. They're good to work with. They're, you know, like what they like their lives. And so it makes it a lot nicer place to be That's fantastic and yeah. you're really you're really helping them through a very difficult yeah. decision and get to like build doing something. Decades. yeah 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 you feel like you're doing something to actually help people and that's a nice feeling amazing 
Well, Michelle, we'll wrap it up here because I know this is AEP and you're incredibly busy, but thank you so much for sharing your story and really just how the business has grown and what's worked for you and what you've been figuring out along the way. I think, I think the story is really inspiring, certainly to us. And I'm sure for lots, lots who will listen to this. So thank you. Oh, well, thank you. And I, I appreciate being able to do it. And I wish everyone the best.